Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Daniel, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I'm thinking about Thanksgiving. Turkey, cranberry sauce, stuffings, food, I'm getting hungry. And Thanksgiving, we have the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And they have the big parades and stuff. And you always have the Goodyear blimp. It's always, how's the Goodyear blimp at every parade? I don't know. There must be more than one. But God is like the Goodyear blimp. And so we are marching along in the parade of life. And we're just going along, doing our thing, and we got people lined up, march parade, you know, right, you know, dressed off of us, and we're doing our thing, the flags are out there, and there's people out there in the parade, and there's people here in the parade, and there's people back there, and we're all just moving along this thing called life in this parade. The only problem is you can only see where you are in the parade. You can only see your position in life. You can only see that, hey, well, you know, if you're in New York, hey, I'm parading by, da, da. Da, 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 da. Oh, there's Macy's, the store Macy's. Da, 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 da. Yay, mom, how you doing? Yeah, da, 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 da. See, you can only see what, what you can see at the time that you can see it as you're moving through life. And so God, on the other hand, because he's a good year blimp, he can see the entire parade. He can see the beginning of the parade and he can see the end of the parade. He sees the entire parade. So sometimes even in a parade, they might have to put up detours. Because maybe somebody blew a hole in the street. We wouldn't all want all the parade people to fall into a ditch. So they put up a detour and they reroute the parade. Now, while we're walking, I don't like that detour. What are they doing? I can't believe it. My life's all messed up. I'm walking in this parade. I'm doing my thing and there's detours and there's problems and this, that and the other. And I don't understand. Of course you don't understand because you don't see the end. God sees the end. And God is up there in heaven in the Goodyear blimp and he sees, hey, man, if that guy makes a left right there, he's going to crash and burn. I better put up a detour sign. So he puts a detour, go right. And you go, and you go right. I don't like the detour, but the detour is good. I don't understand the detour, but God does. This is sovereignty. This is faith. This is walking this thing called the Christian life. You don't know what's going to happen to you tonight. You don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow. Why would you not trust God? Why would you not commit your life to him? Because you don't know. He does. And because he loves you and he sees you in the parade, he's always orchestrating the road so that they lead you right to where he wants you to be. For I have a plan for you, says the Lord, a plan that is good and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. I'm just trying to lead you. Would you let me? 
He's in heaven saying, hey, he's in a good year blimp saying, hey, would you, would you let me do my thing? And you do yours. What's yours? Walk in the parade. Just walk. That's all. We'll try to figure it out. Just walk. God will lead you. How does he do that? By the word. Gosh, this isn't in my notes. <laughs> he does it by the word. Because his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And he takes his word and you love him and you take the word of God and God puts you the word. You, lo- you walk by his word. So you always walk by his word. Amen, saints. You walk by his word. You do what God's word says. Don't listen to people. Listen to God's word. So he puts his word on the left and got your word on the right. And you're always doing what the word says. And you're walking through life. But because you're within the boundaries and the rule of the word, you bounce off of the word here. Okay, yeah, God's word is keeping you. He's see, the word of God. I better do that. And I better do that. And I better do that. And bam, oh, that hurt. I better do that. And you see? But the word of God is keeping you on the path. You understand? To lead you where you need to be. But you got to stay within this word. So God knows. He's orchestrating governments. He's a good year blimp. Orchestrating it all. And even here, Alexander, he's not sovereign. God is sovereign. Alexander would have had his family to succeed to the throne. But God says, no. I've got a whole nother plan. And so these four generals come to the throne. Now, in verses 5 through 20, we have 200 years of recorded history. 200 years of warfare between two of the four dynasties of Alexander. We have the Seleucids, or Seleucids which are known as the Seleucid Empire of Syria, they are up north. And then we have Ptolemy, or the Ptolemaic Empire, which is south in Egypt below Israel. Now, verses 5 through 20 are very confusing because there are several rulers from the same family in different time periods that have the same name. So, there are several Ptolemies. In world history, Ptolemy the first, Ptolemy the second, Ptolemy the third, Ptolemy the fifth. There's several, and these guys weren't very creative in their names. I guess after you have so many kids, I mean, you just start saying, you know, Shaniqua one, Shaniqua two, Shaniqua three, Shaquan one, Shaquan two, Carol one, Carol two. So they didn't have, you know, the creativity in their names. So these verses, in verses 5 through 20, they're from different time periods led by different men with the same name from the same family. Now in verse 5, notice in verse 5, if you're with me, say amen. Also the king of the south, that would be Ptolemy, shall become strong as well as one of his princes, and he shall gain power over him and have dominion. His dominion shall be a, of, of, be a great dominion. And at the end... Of some years they shall join forces. For the daughter of the king of the south shall go to the king of the north, Seleucid, to make an agreement. But she shall not retain the power of her authority, and neither he nor his authority shall stand, but she shall be given up 
with those who brought her and with him who begot her and with him who strengthened her in those times. But from a branch of her roots, one shall arise in his place, who shall come with an army, enter the fortress of the king of the north and deal with them and prevail. And he shall also carry their gods captive to Egypt with their princes. That's interesting. And their precious articles of silver and gold. And he shall continue more years than the king of the north. Also, the king of the north shall come to the kingdom of the king of the south, but shall return to his own land. However, his son shall stir up strife and assemble a multitude of great forces. And one shall certainly come and overwhelm and pass through. Then he shall return to his fortress and stir up strife. Let's stop right there. Give me your attention. History teaches us the king of the south is Ptolemy the first. And Seleucid the first was his prince. And they at one point were friends. They were allies at one point. But after some time, Seleucid became stronger than Ptolemy, and they became enemies. And then some years passed. Ptolemy I is now Ptolemy II. They moved on to another Ptolemy II. He wanted to stop the fighting. And he's like, you know, can't we all just get along? So he calls up the king of the north, which is actually... Seleucid, the Seleucid Empire, but Antioch II is his name. And he says, hey, let's not fight. I got a daughter. Her name is Berenice. You can marry her, and that will make us family like Alexander wanted us to be. Hey, let's give peace a chance. So Antiochus, he had to get rid of his wife. That was part of the deal. Her name was Laodice. Laodice. A-L-A-O-D-I-C. That was her name. He says, hey, you got to get rid of your wife, Laodice. And he took Berenice as his wife. Sometime later, Ptolemy died and Antiochus says, I want my old wife back. And so he calls for his old wife, Laodice. And she comes in and she stabs her old husband in the back. She, yes, she hunts down Berenice like a dog. She cuts her throat and then kills her son. A woman scorned. (laughs) That's all I'll say about that. Antioch is dead. The baby is dead. The wife, Berenice, is dead. Well, when Ptolemy's family hears about what happened to their sister, they're ticked off. They're mad. They're upset. So in verse 7 in your Bibles, Ptolemy's son, which is now Ptolemy III. I told you. I forewarned you. Which is now Ptolemy III. He says, you killed my sister. And he gets an army together and he goes marching through Israel, heading up north. Verse eight, while Ptolemy is heading up north, he beats the Assyrians. And while up north, did you notice this? He brings back 2,500 of their gods. Now, years earlier, their gods had been captured and brought to Egypt to and brought, you know, from Egypt to the north. So. Ptolemy says, while I'm up there avenging the death of my sister Berenice, I will rescue my gods. <laughs> Is this just not a tad strange? Are you getting this? I don't know about you. Maybe I'm different. But, you know, if you have to rescue your gods, why aren't you God? I would think so. 
I mean, you have to rescue your gods. I mean, why aren't you God? You know, let's rescue our God. Well, the plot thickens. I mean, it, it thickens. It thickens. Notice in verse 10, the Assyrians up north are upset. So they decide to counterattack the Egyptians down south. The battle goes back and forth. The north fighting against the south, the south fighting against the north. Here we have the first mention of the real Hatfields and McCoy. This is a family feud between the Ptolemies and the Seleucids. And all the time, Israel would side, get this, and this is all history. I'm trying to make it simple. All the time, Israel would side with the wrong side. They would side with whoever was in control at the time, siding with the wrong people, and they were caught in the middle of the battle. So they were getting pounded on. Remember, you had people up north and people down south, and Israel was in the middle. And every time some new king would come to the throne, Israel would side with them. And then Egypt would come down and beat on them. And then a new king comes to the throne, Israel would side with them. So each time Israel would side with the wrong people, getting caught in the middle, getting pounded by king after king after king, battle after battle after battle. People are dying. People are being killed each time in Israel because they're in the center. Now, the interesting thing about this, I find this amazing about the Jewish people. The Jewish people, like no other people, dispersed from their land, killed, oh, an arm length list of, of their history. And yet they were able to maintain themselves as a people. This, this is really interesting. Because no other people has been able to do that. God thing, God thing. No other people has been able to do that. When's the last time you met a Babylonian? Anybody? When's the last time you met an Assyrian? Anybody? When's the last time you met a Philistine? Anybody? No, they don't exist. But Israel, battle after battle, pounding after pounding, attempts at their destruction over and over and over and over and over throughout the corridors of history, yet they still remain a people. And May 14th, 1948, they march back into their homeland as a people. This is a God thing. You know, at one point when the Seleucids came into power, they killed 50,000 Jews. Then they moved into Caesarea in Israel and they killed 60,000 Jews. In AD 70, when the Romans came in, they killed 1,300,000 Jews. Constantine, who became the first quote-unquote Christian empire, outlawed Judaism and cut off the ears of Jewish men and banished many others. It was during the 5th and the 6th century, no Jew could hold political office. In the 6th century, 60,000 Jews were killed and some were sold into slavery. In the 8th century, the Spanish Inquisition, the Jews were abused and persecuted. In 633 AD, Islam became the power in certain areas and it was illegal to be a Jew. The Crusades of the 11th century would say, kill a Jew and save your soul. In 1350, the Black Plague spread in Europe and the Jews were blamed and half the Jewish population was destroyed. 19, or pardon me, 1492, when Columbus sailed, the ocean blew. 800,000 Jews were pushed out into the sea and died. And then who can forget 
Auschwitz and Treblinka and the Holocaust of Nazi Germany, where there were six million Jews burned. And the interesting thing, the Jewish people continue to survive. And so God shows us in these prophecies that the north and the south are hammering the Jews for 200 years, but they're still a people. Now, in verses 5 through 20, there's a whole lot more to be said about these verses in secular history. Again, I encourage you to go and do your homework. But what we have is the family feud. They continue with the Seleucids and the Ptolemies. And they're fighting back and forth in verse 5 through 20. And then we pick up in verse 21. The prophecy now shifts. Now the focus is on one king from the Seleucid Empire. His name is Antichus IV. This guy is despicable. Let's take a big chunk of scripture and then I'll come back and have a few comments. In verse 21, if you're with me, say amen. And in this place shall arise, underline this, a vile person to whom they will not give the honor of royalty, but he shall come peacefully and seize the kingdom by intrigue. That's interesting. With the force of the flood, they shall be swept away from before him and be broken, and also the prince of the covenant. And after the league is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, for he shall come up and become strong with a small number of people. He shall enter peaceably even into the riches places of the providence, and he shall do what his fathers have not done, nor his forefathers. He shall disperse among them the plunder, spoil riches, and he shall devise his plans against the strongholds, but only for a time. He shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army, and the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army, but he shall not stand, for they shall devise plans against him. Yes, those who eat of the portion of his delicacies shall destroy him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. But these kings, but these kings' hearts, underline this, shall be bent on evil, and they shall speak lies at the same table, but it shall not prosper. For the end will still be at the appointed time. While returning to his land with great riches, his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant. So he shall do damage and return to his own land. And at the appointed time in verse 29, he shall return and go toward the south. But it shall not be like the former or the latter. For ships from Cyprus shall come against him. Therefore, he shall... He shall be grieved and return in rage. Now pay particular attention. He shall be grieved and return in rage against the holy covenant and do damage. So he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the holy covenant. And forces shall be mustered by him and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there, sound familiar? The abomination of desolation. In your margin, Matthew 24. Those who do wickedly in verse 32 against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. Boy, do I love this verse. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out what saints great exploits. God, I love that verse. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many, yet for many days they shall fall by the sword and flame by captivity and plundering. Now, when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. 
And some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, purify them, and make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Antichus Epiphanes the fourth was a madman who gave himself the name Antichus Theos, which means God is manifest. He was basically saying, I am God manifest. I mean, can you imagine meeting somebody? And, Hello, how are you? I'm fine. What's your name? I am God manifest. This guy was a real sicko. In the year 7175 BC, Antichus came to the throne with flattery. We just read it. And he seizes the kingdom with trickery and intrigue. Verse 22 says he overthrew the prince of the covenant. That's a reference to the high priest, Onias, O-N-I-A-S, the third, who was later murdered. And then he makes war with Egypt in the south. And he gets some of the servants of Ptolemy to turn against their king. Verse 27 tells us the king of Egypt knows that they have been deceived. So they sit down at the peace table and both their hearts are bent on evil and they lie at the peace table. Does that not sound like a modern day peace conference? You know, I was amazed to find out. Did you know this? That in the last 3,100 years, 8,000 formal signed peace treaties have been broken. In the last 3,100 years, 8,000 peace treaties have been broken. Man cannot maintain peace. I was shocked to discover the whole world, get this, has known war perpetually. It is estimated that only 8% of world history has been a time of peace. Since 3600 BC, 3,640,000,000 people have been killed by warfare. Amazing. 3,640,000,000. That was as of 1999, by the way. Interesting. So Antichus, Epiphanes, he is on his way back home. He decides to go to Jerusalem, listen at this, and he desecrated the temple. He heads back south to invade Egypt again, but this time there's a Roman commander who stopped him and said, if you lift one sword, you have declared war against Rome and you will be put down right here, this Roman commander. He drew a circle around Antichus in the sand. And he said, make your decision before you leave this circle or you're dead. So knowing he had no choice, he went home angry, and as he went, he poured his anger out on, guess who, saints? The Jews, Israel. September 6, 175 B.C., this vile person shows his true colors. He goes into the temple, he sets up a statue, and he demands to be worshipped. He slaughtered a pig and made the Jewish priest drink the blood. He sacrifices a pig on the altar, He spreads the blood and the pig juices around the temple, throughout the temple. This is the abomination of desolation. He put prostitutes in the temple. You couldn't own scripture during that time. It was a capital offense to circumcise your boys, to keep the feast on the Sabbath. 
To be a Jew was outlawed. He killed 80,000 Jews, took 40,000 into captivity. If you were caught worshiping, he had a big frying pan, a wok. And he would put people, Jewish people in them and fry them. He would oftentimes sit them on a corkscrew and corkscrew through their bodies. This guy is a vile person. So when the Bible says, talks about a vile person, we're not talking about someone who forgot to brush your teeth or someone with bad breath. We're talking about a man who was sick, someone who did some horrible, unspeakable things in the Maccabees. Now, the Maccabean period is not biblical history. It's history, but not biblical. It's secular history, actually. And, 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 and in Maccabean history, get this, it tells of these two women who defied him and they circumcised their boys, obeying the Jewish law. And Ticus found out about it. He killed the babies in front of their mothers, hung the babies around their necks and made them carry them around through the streets of Jerusalem, took them to the pinnacle of the temple and pushed them off. And they died, of course. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.